Uh, Brian, it's that season. It's that time. Uh huh. The time of year that I get all excited about watching a bunch of dub dub videos and learning new Xcode stuff. And I can build an app and then coming to the realization that no, no, I really can't actually. <laughs> Welcome to episode 441 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, we got an amazing lineup for today. We're going to talk about that. We have so much to talk about. We have no time to waste. Marshall, Uh shall we? We shall. Marshall. Marshall. Okay. First of all, huge shout out to our new very important pixels. Welcome to the fam, everybody. Shout out to Cody Ramsey, Barrick John. Grant, Sam Croswell, Katie Zhang, Alan Shi, AJ, Zuki Madonku, Joel Miller, Yu Yang, Kyle Lambert, Chow Lee, TL, Lauren Tracy, Yu Gao, Mike Riley, and Strahinja Todorovic. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the fam, everybody. We had an AJ in there and a TL. It's not every day you come across two people with two letter names, Brian. I can read letters. I can do that. (laughs) Welcome to the fam, everybody. Yeah, welcome, everyone. Be sure to catch your first sidebar today and start digging through that backlog. We got, at this point, I don't know, probably like 100 bonus episodes of backlog sidebars, don't you think? Yeah. Maybe 100? We've racked them up. I have to fact check that, but a lot, a lot to go through. So enjoy. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, meaning every week, lovely people, like the the names you just heard, those people. They join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash design details, where they get access to bonus episodes every single week. We call it the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. And it's just a buck a month. It's just a buck a month. Just a buck a month for that extra sweet, sweet design details goodness. If you want to hear that bonus episode this week, we're digging into CarPlay, deep diving into all the CarPlay Ooh. screenshots and announcements from today's WWDC and of course, you'll get access to the backlog of sidebars and those bonus apps going forward. So head to patreon.com slash design details and come on in. Slip on into that design details hot tub. The water is warm. It's just a buck a month. It's just a buck a month. All right. Tiny bit of follow-up, Marshall. Yeah. All right. So a couple episodes ago, we covered Config 2022. And one of the things we talked about was the new dark mode and how nice it would be to have a canvas color that reflected the dark mode because the canvas doesn't change. Uh Uh, Well, no sooner do we say such a thing than people make the thing happen. Yeah, shout out to Ashri Sharma. A couple amazing listeners, Ashri Sharma, and then later, Dakshi Katri on Twitter, who also put together a light and dark canvas plugin for Figma. So we'll have links to those in the show notes. Thanks for writing in. It's awesome to see this. I have actually installed both of these and played around with them. So good work. Very useful. Nice little plugin to have on the side. Most excellent. All right. That's it. Follow up. Marshall, we have the list and all lists of stuff to talk about. So uh-huh. let's dive in. Yeah, we uh, we both watched WWDC today. Yes. Uh, affectionately known as Dub Dub. Yeah. Lots to talk about. Holy hell, Brian. I'm going to call this year's installment the Great Sherlocking <laughs> of... 2022. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they do that a lot, almost like every year. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's Today, some Sherlocking. I was, I was watching with uh, a coworker, Gavin Nelson, who's on the design team on mobile. And literally every two minutes, we were like, oh man, I bet you know this company is shaking right now. 
It's like that Zoom is shaking. Oh man, that Fig Jam is shaking. Oh man, that <laughs> oh, yep. Opal is shaking. Oh man, but like it. Every couple minutes, we're like, "Holy shit!" They're just knocking things down. Now, yeah. I don't think Apple's features are actually going to kill all these things, but oh, Raycast was the other one with all the spotlight improvements. There's just so many examples of startups that have been built around this one thing. And for Apple, it's like a footnote, which is a good and bad thing, right? Like for Apple, it's not as significant, which means there's opportunity to go deeper and make those features better. I saw Bryn tweeted today, like the new freeform thing that Apple made. He's like, it's basically like Fig Jam, but if Apple decided to not make anything fun, it's like, oh yeah, that actually looks kind of true. It doesn't look like it has much character yeah, um, compared to Fig Jam. So anyways, still room to innovate, but damn, just a footnote for this big chonk and company. Wow. Yeah, that is true. Uh, and so a lot of that happened today. Well, let's talk about all the stuff that happened uh, that stuck out to you. One of the first things that stuck out to me was at the very beginning, I think Craig said something to the effect of, I'm going to make the iPhone more you, right? Mm-hmm. As he was going through all like the lock screen stuff. And I thought that was kind of interesting because that was very much the focus of the material you like the new material design. yeah i feel like that was a wink you know yeah yeah i wasn't sure if that was a wink or yeah uh but a lot of cool stuff came out today so well let's start with that brian let's start with the lock screen this is kind of a combination and, and i think we'll see this later too of combining existing stuff and putting uh, one set of patterns from one thing onto another thing so here we have watch patterns, the watch complications coming in to your lock screen on iPhone. And that makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. They've already done the work. They've already designed it, Brian. It's got to make it a little bit larger. Yeah, I feel like that was the theme of today or one of many themes. You know, we have more you, the great Sherlocking. And this other one was, what if we just took all these radial interfaces from the watch and put them everywhere else? Like your phone lock screen and why not in your car while we're at it? Well, and at the same time, it's like, let's take this multi-window thing that you expect on Mac OS. We'll bring that to iPad. It's like every, yeah. uh, the lines are all blurring, Brian. The lines are all blurring. Phone, iPad, watch, car. It's crazy, man. Like, I don't know. Designing across the platforms must be really exciting, but or it is exciting. I guess I guess I do that. That's like my job. I should be excited about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Well, first party would be exciting too. Yeah, but very exciting. Yeah, so I would say, yeah, that's that's probably the third major theme here is like the lines are blurring. So, okay, so this lock screen. Notifications are now put at the bottom of the screen, one in a more reachable place, but also they don't cover as much of your photo that you have there. I'm not I'm not one to put like a photo on my lock screen, Brian. I'm more of a, a gradient or I like that bokeh one for a little while. But uh, do, you, do you put photos on there? No. Yeah. Actually, what am I saying? That's not true. I have a photo, but it's just all green leaves. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, it doesn't it's not like a photo of people or like no, a photo no. with a lot of varying contrasts and lights and darks. Exactly. Yeah. So so none of that cutout thing of like the time is behind the person's head or whatever. Like, no, that really appeals to me because I'm not putting people's faces on my lock screen. But my partner does, and maybe that would be useful for her. But it's a cool thing to make available. And it does really spice up the the lock screen in the same way that again, that came from watch, right? The foreground of the photo obscures part of the time. Like that's straight from watch. So again, more blurring of lines. 
But those notifications are at the bottom, so you can see whatever happens to be on that picture. So it makes a lot of sense until you opt into it, until you swipe it up. There's kind of a, a small detent where all the all the notifications gather. And the way they gather, Brian, is, is pretty cool. It's kind of like the way today view widgets, the old widget style on iPad used to work, where as you scroll them up, the ones at the bottom kind of move forward until they hit the plane of the scrolling and then they scroll up. So it's this interesting stacking or unstacking at the bottom of the list. So it doesn't actually scroll off the bottom of the screen. They're all just going backwards in Z space. That makes sense. I thought it was always such a cool effect. And widgets even goes crazier with it, like the widget scrolling. Because the header of the widget is also like a sticky position thing. Oh, right, um, right, right. Yeah, there's lots of cool little details. It must be super complicated to build. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what kind of code is driving this stuff. Because, yeah, are there just exceptions everywhere? Is it a bunch of spaghetti or have they figured it out nicely and it's more close to the middle? Anyways, uh, really cool effect. And it's a nice way to preview your notifications. I actually have this installed on my phone. I, I took the plunge, Brian, and installed it on my daily driver phone. I have a backup 12 mini if I if this falls to shit, I, I can go back to. But so far, it's been just fine. Uh, extending focus to your lock screen in the same way that works on watch. Or actually, does watch work this way? I can't remember. I have a, um, you know, I have a shortcut setup, I think, that does this. Maybe it doesn't happen automatically. But like when my focus changes, I have it set up to change the watch face that I'm using. So I have like a work watch face and a personal watch face. And I don't think that happens automatically with those focus states now, but this is kind of what it's getting out of like your lock screen should change with your focus, right? Like this is what I love to see being in the walled garden, Brian, like this, this is the type of stuff that is possible. And I love to see when it happens of like, okay, the thing that you set here in this one place, it just works everywhere. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, another thing I noticed while we we're talking about this is once you get in through the lock screen on the home screen, they've changed the pagination dots at the bottom to be a search button that does the same thing as swiping down on your home screen has always done. Did you notice the interaction there, like the animation that happens? No. So back in the day, it used to be that the first dot was a little search icon. You remember this, Brian? Yep. Mm -hmm. And you would swipe over to it and it was like the today view. All that has changed, but now we've kind of like come all the way back around that the whole dang pagination dots thing is the search button while you're not swiping through pages. I think I think it shows the dots while you're swiping through pages, but it goes back to search. And when you swipe down anywhere on the page, it one-to-one does this transition where that button comes up and becomes the entry field fixed above the keyboard. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. The same Mm -hmm. interaction that your muscle memory is used to, like it still works, but now instead of like typing at the top of the screen, it's attached to the keyboard, which makes it a lot more ergonomic. I don't know if this is going to be a more common pattern that we see elsewhere. I mean, we've seen it on Safari, where it's this bottom alignment of text entry fields that are kind of fixed rather than the default top alignment that has kind of historically been the norm. How do you feel about it, Brian? I mean, just in general, it's cool to how much they're moving to the bottom third. Like they're leaning into this one-handed interaction for a lot of things. Exactly. They started this last year with Safari moving the the URL bar to the bottom. And it's weird, but ergonomic. It does feel a little bit weird that the results for the thing you're typing for go above the thing you're typing, but it makes sense. This has always been the problem, right? Is like you read top to bottom. So if you put something that you're typing at the bottom, the only place for results to go is above. This is true of 
any kind of search or or the URL bar or anything like that, right? And like we don't read that way. So then the question is, do you put relevant things close to the input because that's kind of indicating its proximity and of relevance to the thing that you've typed, or do you put it far away at the very top because it's more likely to be the thing you read first, assuming the heading you read from top to bottom. <laughs> So it puts you in these tricky situations, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm torn. You know, there is a way to make it logically consistent, but it would take literally flipping everything on its head, right? Like, so the f- the first result would be the first one above the keyboard, and then the second result would be above that. So it's a reverse chrono, you know, like an upward list. Anyways, okay, we're getting off on a tangent. Let's keep going because there's so much to talk about brands. So searches at the bottom. You had a, something you want to say about that live activities yeah. thing. These live activities look awesome. I think they were using Uber and like sports scores as an example. But those kinds of things are super common, right? It's the stuff that you need to just glance at quickly. Oh, oh the other one was running. That was the one I was most excited about. It was like fitness progress. It's just this stuff where you normally have to unlock your phone, find the app. And while you're doing something, like, you know, you're catching an Uber, you're walking around, you're like, might be in an unfamiliar location. You just want that quick glance. While you're running, you don't want to have to swipe to unlock. It might be janky with sweaty fingers or whatever. You just want your progress on your on your home screen. Obviously, you know, if you're not using your watch or something. But yeah, I think those kinds of things have been long overdue. These richer, I mean, including the widgets, but just richer glanceable experiences on the lock screen. Makes a lot of sense. Feels overdue. So I'm happy to see it. Yeah, it makes me wonder if they'll take this further and do the kind of always on screen like Android has done, like with the OLED, they basically turn it into a black and white screen. It's mostly black. As soon as you lift it or look at it, it will go to full color and show you everything. I would be 0% surprised to see that with the iPhone 14 Pro. I mean, it's this is what watch does, right? Like it conserves energy. Yeah, and like all the watch complications slow down to, what is it, like once a minute, one hertz or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing is going to happen, right? It's like they can just reuse all the same shit. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah. Leverage. Yeah. Hey, who'd have thunk? All right, moving on. Uh, we got messages. A bunch of stuff in here, not really worth talking about from a design angle, but like really cool to see. Edit, undo, send, mark as unread. The explosion animation when you undo sending a message is really lovely. Like if you know the trash can crumple paper, like little dust explosion on Mac OS. I thought it'd be something like that, but it's like a balloon popping, like the the bubble explodes. It's really a nice touch. I feel like Apple goes nuts with these destructive animations. Which, a little whimsy. Yeah, most of the time, I don't know. You don't have to do that. You're deleting something, just make it disappear, but make it disappear with style. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's not flying. Yeah, I, f- I feel like I'll, I'll kind of maybe keep harping on this throughout. But the other thing with messages that, and Apple has done this for years, <laughs> is... They keep trying to like tell these stories about planning stuff with coworkers over messages and FaceTime. Like nobody does that. Nobody does that except maybe, I don't know, do Apple employees like use FaceTime instead of Zoom? That would be so surprising. Really? I would expect that. Anyways, like half their stories are like, imagine you're planning a conference, like a, a presentation with your coworkers and you guys are all iMessaging each other. I'm like, nobody does that. <laughs> I wish they would just tell more non-work related stories when it comes to messages and FaceTime and stuff. And they did have some examples like, okay, we're planning a whatever trip or yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Show partners, family, friends, you know, going yeah, to the park, seeing a movie. Besides coworkers. Like, I text some coworkers, but not about work stuff, right? Like 
if I'm texting a coworker, it is explicitly because I'm trying to not have it be about work, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. So anyways, that's my mini rant. Okay, uh, moving on. Yeah, dude. So this new intelligence stuff, I don't know if you had a oh shit moment, but like the copy and paste an object from an image uh-huh. was so cool. It was like, how the fuck did they do that? Yeah, I mean, the same way that they're putting the time behind your head, right? Like, yeah. They know yeah. where the edges are. Got that that LiDAR depth sensor. It's really, really impressive. That was cool. Copy and pasting from video with live text was so awesome. I have been watching a lot more coding tutorials lately. And this is insane. Like imagine just being able to copy text from a video. Like from an image was cool. From a video is, ah, it's really, really impressive. And then I just love that, you know, I think last year was all the live text stuff. And they doubled down. They're like, oh, not only can you copy text, you can translate in place. Oh, and by the way, if we detect like a currency, you can just tap on that and convert it. So it's getting really, really smart. And it's just so easy to squint and be like, oh, this is how all of the, whatever they call it, reality OS AR stuff, that's how all this stuff is going to work, right? It's like you see a price and you interact with it and it offers a currency conversion in line, in place, in context. I thought all this stuff was really impressive and it seems like they're just doing so much foundational work for that future hardware. Eventual AR. Yeah, there was rumors that it was going to be at this because they invited people on site to look at it. Like, why else would they do that unless they had hardware? It's going to be the AR stuff. No, well, it was hardware. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on to dictation. I thought... This is pretty cool. I don't use this hardly ever. I don't know if you noticed in the messages stuff, but they moved the voice memo out of the text field and down into like the app bar with all the other stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and its place is now just a microphone for dictation, right? Yeah. Which is interesting because typically that microphone lives on the keyboard. Right, and it replaces the keyboard with a little waveform. Oh, actually, no, no, no. It just triggers the same one from the keyboard. It's a really strange thing. Like, you already have it there. Maybe this is for folks that have third-party keyboards, so they guarantee that you can get to the first-party dictation stuff regardless of which keyboard you're using. I don't know. Anyways, there was some really cool stuff there with like being able to hand off between saying some words and then going and fixing something or typing it out back and forth. Also, it seemed like the live punctuation was really good. It might have just been from the demo, but like it was accurate. It was accurately placing yep. mm-hmm. commas and periods and question marks and stuff, which is pretty impressive just from hearing the voice. I don't know if it's looking at inflection or structure or what, but that was really cool to see. Okay, moving on. This is something near and dear to my heart, Brian, because... Yeah, uh, I'm curious what you thought, yeah. I am a heavy user of the Home app, and it is majorly improved in this version. Um, it was never all that great. Well, well, it's great if you don't have all that many devices. It's great if you have like eight devices. If you have like 80 or something like I do, it was not as good. It was a little bit harder to manage, not designed for scale. And this new update looks like it's much better suited for both small and large sets of smart devices. So some of the things that really stuck out to me previously, if you wanted to dive into a given device, so like say you have a hue bulb or something and you want to change the brightness or you want to change the color or whatever, you would do a long press and that would pop up a panel and you would interact through that panel, swipe it down and go back. Otherwise, a single tap anywhere on that tile will toggle off or on that light. So it meant that you did a lot of long pressing to get into a state and swipe down to get out of it. 
with this new update, it works a lot more like in Control Center. The focus tile in Control Center has two tap targets. There's the background of the tile, which will take you into choosing between different focus states. Or you can tap on the icon, which will toggle the focus state on and off. And this is the same way that it works now with all of your devices. So there are two tap targets. You can quickly turn it on or off. Or you could tap elsewhere and without having to do a long press, get into all the details and, and mess around with it, which is seems like a small thing, but will save a ton of time and a lot of long presses. Like it, it was basically long press colon the app. So this, is, <laughs> this is nice to see. Here's another big update that, again, seems small, but will be really huge for me. I haven't gone through and done it too much yet, but they added a ton more iconography for both scenes and devices. So for the longest time, there was like four different options for a light. And that did not cover the gamut of uh, potential lights out there in my own house, let alone in anyone's house out there, right? So uh, eventually they expanded that to like 12 or whatever. But now they've added some new ones. They've redone the existing ones. They look a little bit nicer. And they've added the ability for you to change the color of the thing. So Instead of being a dual tone colored, like with the SF symbols or whatever, it's a nice uh, multicolor version of the icon. But now you can control that color, whether that's a scene. And I think it works for devices as well. But so, for example, I have a scene that turns all of the plant lights in the house on and off, right? Because they're set on a timer, because they have to, you know, the light, ha- something about the sun. I don't know. My, it's, they're my partner's plants. I don't know. I just, I just run the lights around here. But I can now change to a leaf icon and I can turn that leaf green, which is really nice. And you can, there's, there, there's a ton more icons, especially for like working out and like just a bunch of weird like animal faces at the bottom. I have no clue what those are for, but, um, <laughs> but there's a lot more options now. And not only is the option in, in the glyph that you choose, but the, the color you can choose. Great for customization. Nice. Um, I guess the last thing on, on home is they've reduced it from four tabs down to three. So there used to be a home tab and then a rooms tab, but they've combined home and rooms into a single long scrolling thing split up by sections. Uh, happy to see some change happen. You know, when you use first party apps, Brian, you don't have the advantage of regular updates. You basically have to wait a year between a potential update uh-huh. and uh, it kind of hurts, but it's nice when a new thing comes around. All right. The next thing up on the list was CarPlay. We are not going to talk about that right now, Brian. We're going to talk about that in the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. <laughs> nice. So uh, join us over on the Patreon and uh, get access to that sidebar. We'll move on and talk a little bit about watchOS. First off, they always have a bunch of new faces, Brian. There's always a bunch of new faces and I don't care. Do you care? Um, here's, here's how I felt during today's, I've noticed the same thing. Like every year, here's my problem. I've had the same watch face for, since the first time I got an Apple watch, like I just haven't changed it. And I'm so used to it. The thought of changing or having multiple that I changed through throughout the day, it doesn't really appeal to me, but every year they announce new faces and I'm like, I'm blown away by the creativity. I I feel like I would have run out of watch face ideas years ago, but they just keep cranking out stuff and like some of them move, some of them are interactive, some of them change as you scroll. Now they have the like dynamic text. They have the one where when it goes into that one hertz sort of screen off mode, the little characters fall asleep. Like Mm -hmm. it's really, really creative and playful. I will use zero of them, Uh (laughs) which makes me feel boring. Like maybe I should just switch it up and stop being 
me uh, for a little bit and like just try on a new face. But you know, I'm the same way, man. I and I do try them on. I'm like, I think last year there was like these like profiles or faces or something. I was like, oh, this look kind of cool. And I tried it for about five minutes. I was like, nope, that looks weird. Every time I look at my watch, like that's weird. Nope. Back to black screen. Give me my complications. I just want my watch to show me information. I almost never even use a analog clock. I have one at the far right end of all of my faces for like fancy times. If I you know wear a suit, I'll, I'll put on the analog watch. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, I, um, it's you know modular compact or modular. I forget what it's called, but yeah, all, all of the complications all at once, please. Yeah. And speaking of which, one of the faces that I used to like a lot was the Siri face, but it's so far behind in being updated that I stopped using it. And apparently they updated it. I haven't seen what that looks like yet. Uh, Or maybe they had a screenshot and it didn't look, it used to be all like purple and blue. It was very much like using that kind of gradient that Siri has to brand it, which kind of looked nice, but it was really good as far as functionality. Like when a meeting's coming up, that's the top card. When you're listening to music, that's the top card, you know, pretty cool. Uh, it's interesting to see that they're bringing banner notifications to watch OS, right? Banner notifications, meaning uh, those notifications that come down from the top of the screen rather than the glanceable ones that I think we're used to on watch where it just kind of has a big app icon. And if you keep looking at it, it will show you the notification. What do you think about this? Yeah, weird. Um, actually, I'm trying to even find an example on the landing page of how that works. I don't know if it's a glance thing or if, if you have to actually tap on it or maybe if that maybe those are only while you are actively using the watch. Um, otherwise, it would use the typical glance thing. But yeah, the one they showed, like the person was already in an app and then it came down from the top. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. It would make sense. Maybe it just makes more sense from like a mental model for people who use iPhones, right? Well, it's not disruptive, right? It's not modal in the same way that those glanceable things would just like cover the screen entirely. Right, right, right. So it seems like a big improvement here. Once I see it in action, I think it'll make a lot more sense. But that was pretty cool. They also introduced this thing called uh, heart rate zones, or at least that's what I wrote down here. Yeah, for like running, running and walking. Yeah, While you're working out, like it will, it's basically an RPM, like a tachometer for your heart. So like while you're working out, you can tell kind of what zone you're in, if it's beating too fast or whatever. It was one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, should have always been that way probably, right? Like that makes total sense. Yeah. So, okay. A couple things about the like fitness updates, especially with running. Two things. One, in the keynote, there was this overlay that they showed where they were explaining I think it was a running power or something. And it was talking about how much vertical movement you have versus uh, lateral movement to the ground. Do you remember that overlay? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Tracking the arc of the arm and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That overlay, I remember when I saw that, thinking how much production value went into that. And it was on screen for probably four seconds. And it's not even on the landing page for watchOS. I don't <laughs> know. Maybe it's buried in some fitness subpage. Yeah. And after I saw that overlay, I, I messaged Kevin, like the production value of these videos is staggering every time. Like that one thing must have taken so long or I don't know, someone really smart and clever and like make it look good. And it's just this two second thing. Anyways, the rest of the fitness stuff was really cool. You know, talk about like the heart rate zone stuff. Here's my problem is they're showing me all this data and I feel like inherently I have this reaction of awesome, more data, better. I will be better, but I guess I'm just not an athlete. Like some stuff like run power and stride length. I don't know 
or care. I don't know, maybe real runners out there yelling at me. But uh-huh. yeah. the stuff that looked cool to me about this was... You don't care how many um, milliseconds your foot is contacting the ground? <laughs> That's the one thing that I optimize for every time <laughs> I go out for a run, Marshall, is my millisecond time of contact. Uh-huh. No, some of the stuff like racing yourself, like so if you pick a route and you run it again, you can race yourself again. That's super, that's such a good use case, right? I do that all the time, just run the same route, but make sure I'm doing it better this time around. The heart rate zone, and um, I'm not a triathlete, but I love that it just automatically will transition you between different types of workouts, right? Those are the kinds of quality of life things. Like It really feels like it knows what you're up to. I don't know. Man, you got me spinning off onto a little side tangent thinking here. I've I've been watching a lot of uh, Trackmania. That's one of the games I watch on YouTube. And one of the functions in that game, and basically any racing game, is like to be able to race a ghost of your personal best time. Can you imagine that in AR, like literally racing next to yourself? Yeah, yeah, your your hologram. Like actually see yourself running, that'd be nuts. Uh, Okay. Moving on. We got to uh, keep going. We got to keep Yeah, cruising. we got to keep going. We gotta keep, keep cruising. All right. So M2, I don't have much to say about this. New back, MacBook Airs. Gold and Midnight oh, colors. Midnight. So oh, cool. the Midnight. Marshall, the Midnight. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That Midnight with the dark charging cable. Ooh, it made me almost sad that I upgraded last year. Almost. Mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, it's got too much blue in it when I see it in person. You know, I like the darker color, but I would want it to be more of a monochrome. I'm telling black. you, man, I said this when they came out with the latest iMac. Give me a dark black, one of those bad boys, and I will insta buy. I wish they'd done it with the studio display. I wish they would. I hope they'll do it with whatever. The next phone, they, they've always done this space gray shit, which I buy all the space gray stuff. I like all the space gray. I just want something real dark. And I don't know if it's mostly aesthetic, but I have some nostalgia because the first MacBook I ever had was that matte black MacBook back in 2007. And it was so cool. It was beautiful because up until then, Apple had been all white besides the clear colored plastic iMacs, right? I don't know. I guess they had some color splashes here and there, but mostly white. And then along comes this pure black matte, not glossy matte MacBook. It felt so good. So I kind of am just itching for that feeling again. I want a, another black device. Uh, <laughs> this is this is so dumb. But the midnight, the midnight one, at least in the marketing promo stuff, I was like, ooh, that might be close enough. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see it in person. But yeah, that's the only thing about that that I wanted to mention. Cool, let's keep moving. So on to macOS Ventura. I wrote down all righty then. Um, uh-huh. Stage manager. This is really a clever way of doing window management. I don't know if it's the best way, but like I never would have come up with this. What do you think? I would have never come up with this. Let's wait till we try it before we maybe judge it. For me, it feels... I'm so torn. It looks pretty cool. It looks awesome. It's clever. I have this yeah. problem a lot. Like I really get distracted by lots of windows. I'm very particular about having just one or two windows visible at a time. So this seems nice for me, but I don't know, like the tilt, the way your background would peer through, it does kind of conflict with the dock and like command tabbing a little bit. I almost wish they'd bundle that into command tab somehow. I don't know. There's so many ways to do this, right? Like they already have, what is it? Mission control and spaces and There's the dock. There's, like you said, command tab. Command yeah, tab. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's so many different ways to get around. And to your point, like when I'm in focus mode, 
I just go full screen and it takes me into a window. I don't even see the menu bar at the top. Like I am fully immersed in the app. If I want to get out of it, I just four finger swipe one way or the other. And I, I feel like if I want to be in focus mode, maybe if I'm like switching back and forth between apps, but even then I'm, I've trained myself to command tab back and forth between stuff. And I don't necessarily want to see all of those things around at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see how this feels. I also thought it was kind of interesting, you know, they are dealing with lots of space considerations and how they sort of tilt and push the app windows on the side into the back of the Z index. So you save a little bit of horizontal space. I don't know. It's kind of cool. But we'll see. It seems like maybe this is most useful for iPad, right? It helps differentiate them from desktop things, right? They're not sitting on the desktop. They're above the desktop, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. And they're on the left too, right? Whereas the desktop is kind of top right aligned. Good point, yeah. But yeah, the idea of like combining them into sets of apps is very similar to the way uh, iPad handles split view. When you put two apps next to each other, it kind of treats them as a little group. Again, blurring these lines. I think it's really interesting when you add iPad into there. Like I, I haven't actually played around with the stage manager thing. and I'm not sure how to do it. I have 16 on my iPad, but I haven't been able to figure out how to invoke that. Is it only when you plug it into a monitor? Uh, that's a good question. Maybe for externals? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't plugged it into a magic keyboard. But anyways, pretty cool. Uh, mail updates for Ventura. Pass keys looked like potentially the future of passwords. What do you think about that? Looks cool. I don't know. This is one of those things where it's like, I have built my life around one password and like transitioning off of that's going to be really painful because I don't want to manage two systems. I'd rather just have the one. But my understanding is that this is like uh, a standard that yeah, works FIDO across. Something or other. Yeah, it's a standard. It's not necessarily an Apple thing. Like maybe Apple's putting their brand on it in some way with the pass keys. But you are still able to log into non-Apple devices by pointing your camera and like authenticating with a QR, which is crazy. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I'm just so deep into one password that switching off seems like a huge lift. And I don't know who would ever build the migration tool for that. It'd have to be Apple, right? So I don't know if they would. Yep, I am deep in the one password thing as well. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but there was a point where they said this works on any device, not just Apple devices, and they showed a laptop. It was the ugliest, quote, non-Apple device that I, they could have possibly <laughs> yeah, picked. It was like the, the shittiest Windows laptop you've ever seen in your life. Four inches so thick. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Such a dig, dude. Such a dig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, they mentioned gaming a bunch, Metal 3 kind of being the center of that. And they spent a bunch of time and had a developer coming and everything. Do you think Apple's going to try? I mean, it, like this is this is their way of making gaming happen. The gaming stuff? I don't know, man. I've wanted games on a Mac for forever because it is kind of a pain in the ass switching over to play anything. Or owning a whole separate computer just to play a game? Yeah, yeah owning a gaming computer or, or separate console. Honestly, the demos that they showed, it just didn't look that great. Like, I guess it looked good for a Mac, but compared to what you would expect on a PC, it didn't look good. Didn't look smooth. If you've never gamed on a proper gaming PC, then I don't know. I, I guess it's it's definitely obviously going to be an upgrade. Obviously going to be better than what we have today, but it doesn't seem like they're even close. I don't know if that's a publisher problem. Like there needs to be more game maker investment here in fixing those things. Or if it's still a platform like hardware problem, obviously they're working on that with with these new APIs and Metal 3 and the, the new chips. But yeah, they're still just not quite there. 
I don't know. Will it ever happen? I'll never say never. Maybe, 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 maybe. But there's still ways out. Yeah, they're just still not really trying. Okay, moving on. I think maybe the biggest thing that I saw about Ventura was um, an update to system preferences. Yeah, I've been seeing people tweet that. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, long overdue. Like, I, I can't believe <laughs> it lasted. I was actually lamenting yeah. this the other day. I went in and I was trying to find, I was trying to get into security or something like that. And I, I couldn't fucking find it, Brian. I was scanning and scanning and scanning. I thought it was kind of in the bottom right. And I just couldn't fucking find the thing. And it's like all of these detailed icons and the text, I can't, I can't read it. And I eventually just like went through and one by one looked at them. Is that it? No. Is that it? No. And I eventually found it, but like not a great way for, for going around settings. And they've solved this. Like settings is way more complicated on iOS and iPad, but like you can find your way around. Like the iconography is a lot simpler and easier to find and grouped more reasonably the window for current system preferences is a fixed size regardless of how much information is in that tab you know what i mean so this Mm -hmm. update seems like a huge improvement there's a left side sidebar that you know basically acts as a main detail parent child relationship you select the thing on the left it's ordered reasonably kind of the way you would expect it from every other apple device and then the right side pane can scroll. So it doesn't matter what size the window is. You can resize it. And if there's more information, they don't have to do some weird alignment thing or different tabs within the tab to like display all of that mm-hmm. stuff. You can just scroll. Yeah, yeah, I agree. This is a huge win. I feel like I don't care as much because I've, I'm just such a, I guess, whatever, call it spotlight. I use Raycast, but I'm just command space to everything like that that grid of icons in the current system preferences is so impossible to navigate that the only way for me to get anywhere is to just command space type blue or type display or something whatever (laughs) yeah yeah that's the smart way to get there i guess maybe the last point here is that um this improves the navigation so the the current way you have to like click on something and then go back and then click in and go back this way you could just like stay you there is no going back like you just just select something else in the left nav amazing love it all right let's keep moving brian the last major thing i have here is that iphone webcam magsafe adapter thing (sighs) um (laughs) bizarre but that desk view using the ultra wide camera is a really interesting application. So the desk view, crazy. When I saw that, I uh, that was bonkers. I don't know how they pulled that off. I remember freaking out when they showed that live during the or not live, but during the keynotes. Like, no way. That's really cool. The rest of the iPhone is a webcam thing. On the one hand, I'm like, yeah. This makes sense. We all have insanely good cameras in our pockets sitting on our desks while we're on video calls. On the other hand. On the other hand. On the other hand. Boy, oh boy, was the one that they showed in the keynote, an ugly looking mount. And then it feels like an admission in all sense of the word that their webcams just blow. Yeah. And even they were touting the new one in the new MacBooks, uh, the new MacBook Airs, like 1080 camera, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and since it's also going to suck here, you can still mount your phone. I'm like, yeah. Well, and that's just, what I thought you were going to say after the, on the other hand thing. I thought you were going to say, on the other hand, you could just put a better camera in your laptops <laughs> and you wouldn't have to do this. I mean, easier said than done. Those screens are so thin. Like, I get yeah. that there's like a true physical constraint here. I bought the Opal, which is kind of like the new hot kid on the block webcam. It's $300. It's pretty good. 
is it as good as my phone? Probably not. But you know the nice thing, Marshall? I can like use my phone while I do shit with my webcam. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yep. You didn't even think about using your phone? Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess if you're on your computer, all that stuff is syncing anyways. But yeah. For me, it was like I, I could consider switching to the setup one when they get the mount ecosystem working. So the MagSafe, sure, the Belkin one coming looked okay. And it'll just have to be a second phone it'll be an old phone like i'll use a yeah. previous gen test device basically and keep that mounted or something basically yep because it certainly will be a better camera than most webcams and you know it's going to be more expensive than most webcams assuming you bought an iphone for it but the idea of switching between your primary device as the webcam i don't know maybe maybe if you're mounting on the laptop like maybe but like in a desktop situation i just don't see that happening a lot no no no. all right moving on ipad os uh collaboration stuff looks pretty cool but kind of like you said earlier most people don't use that software for collaborating with coworkers. uh i wrote down freeform is fig jam question mark we already talked about (laughs) this a little bit yeah like I don't know. Do you think Figma should be scared? Or is this just like for the masses? No, so I don't think Freeform is coming for FigJam. Again, it's one of these things like this will be a great casual consumer. Like it's an on-ramp to, if you want a proper tool for this, you're going to turn to a Muse probably. Like Muse seems best in class for this kind of thing. If you're doing it within your company for an organization, you're probably going to use FigJam or Miro. Again, like who does this shit with their coworkers? Like, you don't do this with your coworkers. And how often, Marshall, are you and I like jamming on some sketches together? Just not that often. Like, I feel like you and I are always going to turn for structured data. So we're going to look at like a notion or something. So I, I don't know. Partially, it's me venting. You know, you and I mentioned last time, like, we aren't heavy fig jam users. So maybe this already isn't maybe something we're particularly excited about. But then just the use case, like, okay, well, if I was going to use something like that, it probably would be to collaborate on something with coworkers. And in that case, I would never use these stock Apple things. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we were jamming on something, that would probably be the easiest low barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be interested to see if we reach for that once in the next year. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not trying to talk shit. Like, it seems cool. It seems great. And I'm sure that there's yeah. people that are going to love using that. Just not for me. All right, moving on. Uh Game Center. The new dashboard looks cool. I feel yeah, like this is cool. maybe more of a, a kid's thing or something. Uh, I, don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't use Game Center. Also, I'm not a huge mobile iPad gamer. Yeah, I guess if you're um, connecting with friends and like setting up games and stuff, this would be really useful. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love the the app, man. It's it's just green. It's so cool. Yeah. Like kind of a, it's a nod to the, the felt, uh-huh. um, a nod or a wink, whatever you want to say. But it's a nice looking app. Like it's clearly Apple, but they're like, you know what? Maybe every single stock app we have doesn't have to be white and light gray. Let's just make this bad boy green, slap a little grading on it. Yep. Call it a day. Looks good. I like it. Uh, We also have customizable toolbars now, which is something I've always loved in Mac, of being able to like remove the actions I don't use and put the ones that I do use up there. Yeah, little jigglies. Yeah, get the little bar jiggling. I always do a right click on that top bar, like see if it gives me a customized toolbar option. And if it does, I use it. Oh, yeah. Nice to have that on iPad. This is a pretty crazy thing. Adjustable pixel density for split view so that you can actually like show more information or like view it as a, a, a larger size than it is. Love it. Yep. Man, split view is great, but yeah, more pixels is always better. Uh, oh, 
like I said, I installed iPad OS 16 on my iPad and there is no lock screen customization whatsoever. Uh, you get the new hmm. uh, clock font, but you can't change it. Very curious. Yeah, iPad is always a little bit behind on these kinds of things, right? Yeah. Like they're behind on widgets. Getting the weather app was a funny, a funny one. Twelve yeah. years in the making. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're always a tiny bit behind on those kinds of things. All right. Lastly, Brian, let's let's wrap it up here. I wrote down some panels that looked interesting to me. I, I didn't get through everything, but I looked at the design filter and accessibility and a couple other ones. But here's what stood out. Okay, so uh, adopt variable color and SF symbols. That looked interesting. Design and effect chart. So it looks like there's a whole new like Swift charts or like they, they've introduced a whole new chart kit. So there's one for designing an effective chart and one for design app experiences with charts. There's the expanded SF font family. Yeah, condensed and expanded. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, curious what those changes are. What's new in SF Symbols 4? What's new in iPad app design? I'll probably cover how to handle all that windowing stuff. Uh, here's a new one. I don't know if there's ever been a writing panel, but there's one called Writing for Interfaces. Here's another one, uh, Design for Arabic, and another one like it, which is Get It Right, parentheses to left. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and lastly, what's new in Xcode 14? I'll be interested to see what they've added to the old IDE there. Anything stand out to you, Brian? Uh, these look great. I haven't looked through the list, though. Uh, the SF symbols, sure. Some of those typography ones, sure. But no, I haven't actually gone through the list yet. But maybe a little shout out. There is a developer app on macOS that's actually pretty good. So for people who are wondering where to get all this stuff, you can just download Developer from the App Store. Uh, I think they also have website, iOS app, but I think the Mac app is maybe good because you can go in and like favorite videos and add them to your list. Right, yeah, yeah. The Apple TV one is great. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's it, Brian. WWDC 2022, everything except for CarPlay, which we'll talk about in the sidebar. Brian, we're going to get into this job board. Oh, boy, I forget what we decided the sound was, but yeah. do don't get sued. Don't sue us. <laughs> Nintendo, please. All right. We got new jobs on the job board. Design details.fm slash jobs. Companies are hiring designers. Boy, oh boy. And Patreon is building the future of the creative economy. And they're looking for product designers of all levels to help solve the needs of creators and members on their platform. They're hiring in San Francisco and New York. Patreon. All right. We also have Glow. They're hiring. They're building the most elegant, powerful, and reliable crypto wallet. To do this, they need great designs, ones that are simple, familiar, and smart. The small team is growing, and you'll work closely with the team to craft new user experience patterns for interacting with crypto that will become the new normal for millions of people in the future. Materialize is building a reactive database to disrupt the batch data warehouses like Snowflake and BigQuery, and they are looking for their first full-time in-house designer to come in and own the product for Materialize Web UI. Technical and developer tools experience is a huge plus. And lastly, we have Notion. You've heard of it, you know the app. Imagine in the 1970s thinking through how computing should be like. That's what Notion is trying to build. Beautiful software that fits everyone's needs. They have infinite challenges that can only be solved by someone with innate product sense, technical aptitude, great taste, and impeccable craft. Thank mm. you, Notion, Materialize, Glow, and Patreon for this week's job board. There's a bunch more on the job board. Where can they go, Brian? Designdetails.fm slash jobs. All right, Brian, let's move on to the old cool things. Your turn. All right, I'll go first. Oh, 
Brian, there's been an update. This, this is the easiest cool thing I've ever recommended. You know I'm a fan of Bo Burnham's Inside special oh. on Netflix. Yes. Yes. Uh, it captured a moment in time like nothing else did during quarantine. And uh, I watched that special far too many times probably. And I always kind of wondered like, man, I wonder what he cut out of this. This is all such you know good, tight, solid editing work and everything. And he even included some behind the scenes stuff, which is really interesting in the main special. But I always wondered, you know, what did he cut out? Well, he just released a bunch of outtakes. It's called The Inside Outtakes, which is a Ugh. hilariously perfect name. Ugh. And it's like an hour of behind the scenes and like it says outtakes and additional songs that didn't make it into the special, a couple of which are totally worthy of not being on the cutting room floor. Specifically, Five Years is like this perfect Drake um, kind of love song. And along with a bunch of multiple endings, like he tried a bunch of different ways to end the special. So he included all of those, including a song called The Chicken that makes me cry every time I listen to it, Brian. Oh, man. I'll have to check it out. I still haven't watched. Oh, no. you're Okay, yeah. You got you to gotta watch it, man. It's amazing. But that's my cool thing. Bo Burnham, The Inside Out Takes. It's on YouTube. Check the show notes for a link. I highly recommend it. There's some really good stuff in there. Awesome. Love it. Cool thing. I'll have to watch. Maybe maybe that'd be a good wind down thing to watch tonight. Okay. I am going to cheat, Marshall. I have two cool things. Okay. All right. All right. First, Marshall, I have seen a film in the movie theaters uh-huh. and it has changed my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> the new Top Gun Maverick. Boy, oh boy, was that a movie. Uh, you have not seen it, so I, I won't uh, delve into too many details. Here would be my one advice for anyone listening. First of all, if you haven't seen the first Top Gun, you don't need to see it, but you should. One, because it's a, it's a classic, but there's just, you know, it's a sequel. You're going to miss out on some winks and nods and callbacks. Ooh. So I would, I would still watch the first one. But if you're watching the first one and you're like, ooh, man, some of this did not age particularly well, still go see the second one. And when you go see it, go see it in a theater if you can with the Dolby sound system, like a Dolby, proper Dolby theater, Atmos or whatever they're calling it. The sound is insane in this movie. And you kind of want that for the whole experience. So we saw it on Saturday night in the Dolby Theater. And I mean, my ears were ringing a little bit afterwards. Like, it's fucking loud. <laughs> yeah, a lot of jet engines, I imagine. super, super worth. It was great. Okay, Top Gun Maverick, cool thing. What's the next one? Okay, second cool thing is, Marshall, I talked about this last time, two weeks ago, and we didn't record last week because things were particularly busy. Mm-hmm. For both of us, yeah. For both of us. But I've been working on a side project and it is live, kind of. It's in a private beta. But I guess this might be the first or second place I will ever share it. So I might have tweeted this by the time people are listening to this episode. We'll see. If I haven't tweeted it, then this is the first time I'm telling people outside of my I don't know circle about this thing. And it's called Campsite. And Campsite is a tool that helps design teams share their work in progress. And so really it's coming from a frustration for me over the last two years of sharing designs and getting design feedback in Slack threads and in Figma comments. I just feel like those are fundamentally underwhelming surfaces to make design decisions and give and receive thoughtful critique. 
And so Campsite is uh, working towards the, the bigger vision of being a place to, to share and collect feedback. But right now, it's at least a place to share the things that your team is working on. It organizes it all into a simple feed so it's easy to catch up. It integrates with tools like Slack, integrates with Figma, makes it really easy to share work as you're working on it. And at the end of the week, you get a weekly digest so you can kind of keep up with your with what your team is working on and you don't have to go join a dozen Slack channels and deal with all that noise and red dot whack-a-mole just to catch the pixels every once in a while. So it's at campsite.design. If people are interested, go check it out. If you want to try it for your team, like I mentioned, it's in private beta. So there's a big orange button that says, uh, well, maybe this the string will have changed, but basically click the big orange button and uh, I'll try and flag your organization in as soon as possible. I'm going to start with just a, a handful of teams. I've got 10 companies on right now trying it out, but I want to ramp that up quickly. So for people listening, yeah, I would love to show everyone. And if your company wants a better solution for sharing and, and organizing your design team's work in progress, let's talk. Uh, that's campsite.design. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's happening. Talking about it on the pod, Marshall. So cool. Getting it out into the world. It's finally here. It is finally happening. We've been kind of talking vaguely around it without actually saying what it is. So now <sighs> it's it's in the world, Brian. And here's here's the thing, Marshall. It is still, everything sucks. <laughs> like, it's all so, <sighs> I look at, I'm like, okay, I've got to ship it at some point. But what I'm shipping is just nowhere close to what I think it could be. But you just got to do it. We'll work through it. So we got a lot of stuff to build. But uh, yeah, I felt like there was at least enough functionality that a team could use it and get value out of it. And everything else can come later. So here we go. Exciting, man. Very cool thing. All right. Well, shall we wrap? Let's uh, let's get over to the sidebar, talk about CarPlay, speculate about the new, uh, I don't know, the Apple car that we might see someday if this is a hint of what's to come. Yeah, excited for it. So join us over there in that sidebar. Yeah. All right. So this was episode 441. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. Tweet at us at Design Details FM. Catch in the sidebar. That's patreon.com slash design details. Just a buck a month. Get access to those bonus episodes. Sidebars. Sidebar, sidebar. Here we go. That's it. Catch you next time. Bye. No, all this stuff, I mean... Oh my god. I hope you can't hear all this shit. I can hear all of the clinking, yeah. Is god that your neighbor throwing it. out trash again? Taking out his recycling. Every Monday. Just so loud. Right at this Every time. Every fucking Monday. Yeah. My dude. Can you just chill out with the glass bottles? Jeez. God, man. <laughs> is Monday even trash night? Like is, is this just the nightly haul? <laughs> no, we have trash tomorrow.